and she's a homeschooler and an excellent housekeeper. So if you guys want to welcome Lacey. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, like she said, I am Lacey Sanford. I have been a MOPS mom for seven years now. It's hard to believe. Um, I have an eight-year-old who will be nine in July. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and he's the one that qualifies me for two more years of MOPS. <laughs> there won't be any more after that, so I'm, I guess I'm going to have to step up and step away or something. Um, um, when I talk about being a homemaker and homekeeper, I want you to know that that includes all of us, whether we work part-time or full-time outside the home. We all have a home to take care of, and we all have a family to take care of, so I just wanted to let you guys know we're all homekeepers in this room. Um, I know we sometimes get into that comparison game. Um, I've, I've been a full-time worker, uh, working 40 hours a week. I worked, uh, after my first son was born, I worked part-time from home, and I would go into the office every now and then. And then when I had my third, um, I stayed home full-time, and I'm, I'm now homeschooling them. So I've been in all seasons of the working arena, so when I speak up here, just know that um, I'm speaking on a level of understanding, and I can relate to all you guys in, in all your different roles. So, um, Deb, if you want to go to the next slide, as I mentioned, I am mom to three little boys. And if you look in the Webster Dictionary, I'm quite confident that you're going to find their picture <laughs> with the definition that boy is a noise with dirt on it. <laughs> their feet, they're covered in mud. That's not like an occasional thing. When they go outside to play, that's how they return to me, like every day of their life. So I get it. I get what you guys are going through um, with housekeeping and, and taking care of little ones. It's, it's not a clean job. <laughs> and it's always about, um, you always feel like you know, you're shoveling snow while it's still snowing type thing because um, you're, you're constantly keeping up with the messes that they create. So I'm on the other side now of potty training. Praise the Lord, truly. Um, but even that is, uh, one more slide back, Deb. Even that is, is a job that you have to just, you know, be courageous in. You, you think a courageous, being courageous to clean, what does that mean? Well, if you've got a little one that stands this tall and the potty's this tall and they're aiming, you have to be courageous to clean those messes up. So um, that's why I think it is appropriate that our theme is Be You Bravely this year. And even this, this talk on cleaning, it's something that does take courage to do. So with that being said... Um, one more slide back, I'm sorry. What does it mean to be you bravely? Well, for me, being bravely is standing up here right now in front of all you guys, because I'm not a speaker. I love words, and I love um, writing them out, but to speak them, it's a little bit difficult to me. So um, being bravely right now and admitting that I actually like house cleaning is kind of a, a tough thing for me to say, because sometimes if you keep a clean house, you get labeled as a neat freak, or you're not being real, or you have a house that's not lived in. So it's hard for me to actually stand up here and admit that I like housekeeping and it's something I'm good at. So last month, that got me thinking, I asked on the Facebook page, um, what's something that you guys are good at? And this is going to make me cry. I can't believe I'm going to cry at a, a housekeeping talk. But <laughs> anyway, they probably thought, I'm going to ask Lisa to do cleaning because she won't cry at that. But anyway, well... <laughs> I said, what does it mean to be you bravely? What's something that you're good at? And the responses I got on that Facebook page were like beautiful. They just blew me away. And so if we go to the next slide, 
the talent in this room, guys, is amazing. Each one of you guys are gifted and you have a talent that just is just God-given. It was just so beautiful to see how many different, different talents were in just, just this room right here. So the first one, uh, that was, who could raise their hand on that one? Who claims that picture? Someone here? Kirsten? Kirsten's not here? So she's like an artist, a crocheter, and a skater. Holy cow. Okay. Stephanie, that's her drawing. Amazing. You want to go to the next slide? This is Amy doing missionary work. She's right there being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's just amazing. And I love this picture. That's her being her, herself, her mom moment with her blessings. Down there at the bottom, who claims that one? I'm sorry, I don't know all of you guys by name. I loved your response, because you're like, there, I said it. I admit it. I'm good at being a mom. Just, guys, admit it. You guys are good at being moms. God gave you this gift and this calling, so it's something that you're good at. If you want to go to the next slide, that's Heather's gallery wall. If you guys have ever watched me hang any two pictures at the same time, you could know that that takes talent to even arrange that and, and hang it where it's, it's straight. And her sewing talents up at the top. And then Kim Carroll, I know that she's a good baker. She actually invited us to our house. It's like the best mops thing ever when you do the mops us and you go to your mentor mom's house and you get to eat their food. Next slide. Brooke. Oh, my goodness. I got to tell you what she wrote. So this is where it, Brooke says, Oh, wow. I don't think anything makes me realize my lack of talent until someone asks me what I'm good at. I've been thinking hard on this, and I can't cook, can't sew, can't organize, sing. Ay, ay, ay. Does being overly dramatic count? I mean, acting. I like acting. Nathan would say I'm all drama, but that doesn't sound near as nice as saying I enjoy acting. <laughs> well, guys, this is broken her humble self, but let me tell you, her gift is just sharing the gospel. She has led many women to Christ through her gift. And so that's her God-given talent. And it's, it's funny that um, she just, it was just hard for her to admit what she was good at. But we could all see it clearly what she's good at. Morgan and her gift of photography, that doesn't go past. I mean, she is an artist. She does photography. She draws. It's just beautiful. And Jamila, I just, I want to book her for my kids' pictures. That's beautiful. It's just simply pretty. All right, next, page, uh, next slide, please. Sarah and her cake. If you saw me bake a cake, it would look like a frosted hump, is what it would look like. <laughs> the coonskin hat. Oh, my goodness. Who did that one? That is so awesome. You're going to have a lot of boy mamas after you for, like, turning coons into hats. And I love Sandy Black. Um, this is what we get to look forward to. She's got nine boys, nine boy grandsons. So she gets me. <laughs> she, uh, that's just amazing role. Um, so, guys, if you want to go to the next slide, Deb. Got one more slide. Oh, back one more, yeah. Ashley replied, I'm good at decorating, making time for myself to do things I love, planning for events and trips, singing, and being a mommy. It's really hard to say those things without feeling full of myself, but as I'm reading these posts from others, I don't feel like they're full of themselves in the least. In fact, it's made my day to read so many women celebrating their gifts. And guys, this is what it's all about, being you bravely. So we need to celebrate one another and what we're good at and, and, and just realize that it's not about comparison. We'll go to the next slide. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's one of my favorite... Uh, quotes because 
we compare all the time. We compare our house, and we care, compare how well we keep it clean, uh, how well we decorate. We compare our relationships with our husbands and our kids to other people. And it's even easier to do that now because we've got Facebook that's going to um, allow us into other people's homes. And we're getting, you know, those snapshots of, of what's the perfect moments. And occasionally we'll be real and, and share the um, not-so-perfect moments. But Satan wants nothing more uh, for us, especially as mothers in our role, to steal our joy. And so I want you guys to remember, as I'm up here talking about keeping a clean home, don't be comparing in your, <laughs> your mind what you left <laughs> this morning and, and feeling less than perfect, because that's not your worth at all. Your worth is in uh, the relationships that's inside your home and what you're cultivating and your hospitality. And, and I'll talk about all that stuff. But just know that comparison is the thief of joy, and Satan is just the stiller of joy, and he's going to want to take that away from you guys. So be encouraged today and inspired by me, but don't compare to me because this is what I'm good at, and I couldn't do half the things that you guys said that you're good at. So if you want to go to the next slide. What does it mean to be brave? Um, brave is an adjective. It can be described as possessing or exhibiting courage or courageous endurance, making a fine appearance, excellent, fine, admirable, a brave person, a warrior, or it could be a verb to meet or face courageously, to defy, challenge, dare, to make splendid. So what, does, what comes to your mind when you think of the word brave? To me, if you want to flip to the next screen, I thought of a firefighter. I'm like, they are awesome and they are brave. If you guys look at this firefighter, I want to notice, um, point out a few things in this picture. First of all, he's got his oxygen tank on, and it's pretty full, because if you're going to go into a fire, you're going to make sure that your oxygen tank is, is full. That's your lifeline. He's also got in his hand tools needed to do the job. He's got his axe and his pick there because he knows that he's going to face something that he's going to need those tools for. And he's also facing the fire head on, and this kind of just makes me think that he's um, ready to go in and do what he's been called to do. When the firefighter gets that call for a fire, um, they don't hesitate. That's their job. They know that they're supposed to be a firefighter. They're not going to get squeamish and turn around and run the other way. That's their job. That's what they've been called to do. So if you go to the next slide in a minute. Um, we're going to learn what a homemaker can learn from a firefighter. And I want you guys to think about this when you guys are doing your task and you're fighting those fires, because there's always going to be a fire to put out in motherhood. And I want you guys to think of this. First of all, you need to make sure that your oxygen tank is full. You're going to arm yourself with the tools that you're going to need to do the job. And you, I want you to face the task in front of you courageously and do what you've, got, you've been called to do bravely. And the side-by-side -side picture, I mean, doesn't that look like she's a brave woman? She's doing just like the firefighter? Next page. Start your day out by filling your oxygen tank. This is the biggest tip that I have to give with um, homekeeping, because you're going to run out of steam if you don't do this. Begin each day with a prayer for strength and endurance. It's just, it's just a simple prayer. Cry out to the Lord. Say, I need your strength today. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. Lord, I need your strength. Take a few minutes to soak into some truth. I didn't say a 30-minute sit-down devotion Bible study. It's just a few minutes, guys. Scripture around the home um, is the truth that will get you through those moments. And just, just read a scripture. Have it come up on your phone where you um, 
you know, that's the first thing that you see every day. And then give your to-do list to God, because he is a pretty good prioritizer and time manager. It says in Psalms, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. The heart of the man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps in Proverbs 16.9. How many times do we have a to-do list that's probably got 20 things on it? And we get through maybe two. Sometimes I write down stuff that I've already done just to mark it out, just to think that I feel good about myself. But um, if we just gave our to-do list to God and let him manage that a little bit more, um, he, of course, wants us to be organized and, and, and diligent and intentional about what we're going to do. But some things, sometimes things come up, and, and we want to allow for those pauses in our life um, to actually just be able to minister. You know, if we're not going to be able to get to all the places that we've got on our to-do list, we just need to, um, to give that to God and let him determine our steps and our ways with it and be okay with it. The next slide are some of my favorite verses. And these are, I would recommend like putting these on a, on a sticky note. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121. I love this because so many times people say, how do you do it all? And I don't do it all. <laughs> um, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. It's, it's the joy of the Lord is my strength. Come to me, all you who are weary and, he- and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Matthew, this verse, tells us that we're going to be weary. He knows that. He knows we're going to have some heavy burdens to carry, and he promises us rest. Everything in Scripture is true. If he tells us that he's going to give us rest, if we come to him, he's going to give us rest. Oh, Lord, be gracious to us. We long for you. Be our strength every morning, our salvation in the time of distress. Every single morning, his mercies are brand new. So he's going to, no matter how big you messed up the day before with homekeeping and and being a mama and a wife, um, his mercies are going to be new every morning, and every morning he's going to be your strength. So start each day fresh and just wipe that slate clean because that's what he wants you to do, guys. So fill your oxygen tank first before you even think about tackling any of the housekeeping duties. And now I'm going to get into some of my tips. <laughs> Have nothing in your house that you do not know to be useful or believe to be beautiful. <clears throat> I just want you to think and pause on that for a moment. I really think that this is our biggest hurdle with homekeeping is just the clutter and the amount of stuff that we have in our homes. We have bigger homes nowadays than the generation before us. We have more rooms to clean, uh, more things to take care of and manage. Our schedules are busier. Um, So if you really intentionally start with the clutter clearing, it's going to help you to get into a maintenance routine with your housekeeping where you're not going to be so overwhelmed and stressed. The Lord does not want us to be stressed and overwhelmed. And if stuff is making you feel that way, then start on one area at a time and just tackle that. If you took each thing in your home and really looked at it and said, is this useful? Yes, okay, that stays. If this is beautiful, this is something that I love or I have a memory with it, um, it will change the way you look at things and the way you get rid of things. Because um, you'll start realizing something that doesn't fit that gauge, and then you'll be able to let it go. And you know, it might not be beautiful to you, but it might be beautiful to someone else. And so you're actually, you know, letting it go out into the world and letting it bless someone else. I love going to Goodwill and finding someone else's junk that I think is awesome. And they got rid of it. And I'm like, how did, why did they get rid of it? Well, thank goodness they did, because I get to turn it into something beautiful for my home. So just be, um, just be aware as you're, as you're starting to tackle um, this area of things that don't fit the bill. And just don't be afraid to let it go. And some of the things that you let go of for a time, and you think, well, maybe I might need that one of these days. I may need that one of these days. I'm guilty of that. Um, 
God's going to get it back to you in that time if you, if you need it again. I think of, like, baby items and stuff. Um, I've gotten rid of all my baby items and with no intentions of ever, ever using them again, and they're blessing other people. But I know that if I had a surprise baby, um, my friends here would bless me with the things that I needed to, like, to have a baby, right? So um, just be careful with what you hang on to for the in the case of thing because what you're storing in totes and closets and stuff could be blessing some other people in the here and now. And then that's a, that's a wonderful way to let go of things um, and knowing that they're going to be used by someone else. Um, if you go to the next page, owning less is far more beneficial than organizing more. Now think about that. We love to organize, and we spend a lot of time and energy organizing, and we spend a lot of money organizing on totes. I mean, I've bought so many Tupperware totes. My husband thinks, I don't know, he makes fun of me because I always buy a tote when I go to Target. But it's a lot of time and a lot of energy to organize it, and then, you know, inevitably it's going to be unorganized again. It's not going to stay organized for some reason. So if you owned less stuff... It's far more beneficial than organizing more. If our uh, children own less toys, they're not going to spend so much time picking them up. They're going to have, you know, the toys that they actually play with, um, and they're not going to have to worry about organizing them. I think we put stumbling blocks in front of our kids, too, when we have too much things, because you know that they only play with, like, a fraction of what they actually have in their playrooms. So let that go. Um, Kids actually are they are uh, more accepting to let things go than what we give them credit for because if you tell them that you're going to donate some stuff to some kids who need it, then they're all about that. So be careful with the stumbling blocks with having too much toys and, and, and items that we put in front of our kids because it makes us feel overwhelmed and it, it makes them feel overwhelmed too. So if we organize our stuff without removing it, um, the site Becoming Minimalist um, says that it does not benefit anyone else. The possessions we rarely use sit on shelves in our basements, attics, and garages, even while some of our closest friends desperately need them. Owning less instead of organizing more, if we, if we organize more, it doesn't solve our debt problems. It never addresses the underlying issue that we just buy too much stuff. We do. Um, I'm guilty of that. I feel stressed. I go to Target, and lo and behold, I've got 50 bucks in my cart. I mean, it's, you know, that's... That's just the way we're in, the world that we're in right now. It doesn't turn back our desire for more. It's the next slide. The simple act of organizing our things into boxes, plastic bins, or extra closets does not turn back our desire to purchase more things. We're going to still want to go out to Target and buy something to have an emotional fix. And buying things is not bad, guys. I mean, I, I love to go to Target and spend some of my fun money there. Um, but it's just, if, if you've got a clutter problem, then evaluate it and take a pause on that for a while. And it doesn't force us to evaluate our lives. While rearranging our stuff may cause us to look at each other, cause, it may cause us to look at each of our possessions, it does not force us to evaluate them, especially if we are just putting them in boxes and closing the lids. On the other hand, removing possessions from our home forces questions of passions, values, and what's truly most important to us. So that's the where we get to touch our item and say, is this beautiful? Is this useful? Yes, then we've evaluated that and we've allowed it into our home. Why am I the way I am? <laughs> My mom was a minimalist before it had become a trendy name. Um, I remember one time... One summer, it was before my brother was born, so I was probably eight or nine years old. We lived in an old farmhouse, had dark walls, and it was just an old farmhouse. 
But she spent that summer fixing up my room into a little girl's room, and she painted it real pretty yellow, and she took half my toys out, and she put lacy white curtains on, and it was just fresh, and it was beautiful, and she showed me my room reveal, and um, it was just pretty. Everything was had a place, and it just looked so nice, and she told me, and I remember this, she said, do you like the way this looks? And I said, yeah, I like it, and she said, well, then take care of it, and I think that I always remember that because it stuck in my head. I liked the way it looked all nice and organized and tidy, and I would play in my room, and I would enjoy it much more than it was the way it was before, but um, I took care of it, and I started realizing that, you know, it was my possession, it was my space, and it was it was something that I was proud of, so I wanted to take care of it. And so that's kind of why I am the way I am today. I mean, I've, I've been um, kind of, I've grown up in a minimalist home, and I feel like there's really uh, less is more sometimes. If you want to go to the next slide. After you um, tackle the clutter issue, if you've got a clutter issue, then you can kind of get into a maintenance routine, a cleaning routine, because it's really hard to clean clutter. So that's the first step that I talked about. But you need to find a cleaning routine that actually fits your life, because there's a million of them on Pinterest, and if you print it off and you don't do it, then it's not going to work for you. And so be realistic about this. I've got one back on the table that I use, but what I use is not going to work for you. Um, so find a cleaning routine that fits your life. It could be focusing on cleaning one specific area a day. That's kind of what I do. Like Mondays we have laundry, the big laundry. Uh, Tuesdays are our bathrooms, Wednesdays, Wednesdays bedrooms. And then we have daily maintenance that just, you know, wiping off the counters from all the toothpaste and stuff. Um, you could also do a cleaning schedule that's like you do deep clean one day of the week. You know maybe that's your day when you don't have a lot going on. You could put on some music and jam out and clean the whole house, and it's done. So find something that works for you. Um, but, you know, just like no planning, if you don't have at least somewhat of a plan, you're going to get to 5 o'clock and you're going to be like, what's for dinner? So if you don't have a cleaning schedule, you're going to get to the day and be like, okay, I'm just not going to mess with it today. And it goes on and on and on. It builds up. When you're thinking about some sort of cleaning routine, it doesn't have to be crazy rigid and, and legalistic and you have to stick to it, but just have an idea and a plan. I always like to look at my week, like on the weekends, and I like to look at like what we've got going on, and then I kind of fit my areas around accordingly. Because I know like my bathrooms are going to be a, a big job. That's, that's a big deal. So I want to put those on a day that um, I have less stuff going on, maybe a day that I'm, I don't leave the house at all. Mondays <laughs> are going to be my laundry, my big laundry days, because I am not going to do laundry on the weekends. When my kids are home and my family has activities, I'm not touching that laundry pile. So on Mondays, it's going to be facing me. It's going to be looking at me, and that's going to be my biggest laundry day. I try to leave that afternoon to kind of tackle that. My lighter days are going to be, you know, like my bedroom days. There's practically nothing to do in the bedrooms if we want to wash the sheets every now and then, that kind of thing. So those are the days that I, I, I do those lighter chores so that um, I could be out and about and doing my other stuff. So the point of that is just really, truly look at the cleaning schedule or the cleaning routine and just and figure in all the extra stuff that we've got going on and kind of make it realistic and something that's doable for you. If you go to the next slide, I'll give you an example of what I use. Um, this is from Time Warped Wife. It's just a simple printout, and like I said, you could Google um, a million different one, one cleaning schedules on Pinterest, so don't feel like this is the only way. But the reason why I like this one is because it has the daily upkeep up there, and really, cleaning your house should not take all day long at all. I, I don't 
spend all day cleaning my house. I, I do the daily upkeep before we start our school, which just consists of um, throwing the breakfast dishes in the dishwasher and wiping off the toothpaste from the sinks and um, making our beds, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not a big deal at all. Um, and then Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, all the, the core like room cleaning, um, I do that usually uh, the second half of nap time, the first half I Facebook, so honest confession there. I, I treat myself and then I tackle one of those tours. But it doesn't take that long to do, really, if you just get in there and do it and stop thinking about doing it. So that's, that's an example of a cleaning schedule that I use, but please do not feel like that's the only one. If you want to go to the next slide. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Wow, is that not a convicting verse sometimes? I think one of the stumbling blocks that we feel that we face with homekeeping is that we don't have enough time to do it all. But we don't have to do it all, guys. We just have to do something. We have to look well to the way of our household and not eat the bread of idleness. So in our parents' generation, they had like soap operas on TV, you know, daytime soap operas, and the kind of the stigma was like, you're a homemaker, you're sitting home watching soap operas and eating bonbons. Um, they did have, you know, the soap operas that were kind of like their distraction. We have, you know, Facebook and Pinterest um, as our distraction, and there's nothing wrong with sitting down uh, to watch a show or to Pinterest or to Facebook, but we need to be aware of how much time we're spending eating the bread of idleness when we've got something sitting in front of us because the, what's wrong with not tackling that job is that it's, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so what if the job gets bigger and bigger and bigger? Well, it makes you feel stressed and um, overwhelmed, and God does not want you to feel stressed and overwhelmed. And I know, like, if I have um, clutter and a big job that I'm just dreading doing, I'm snippy at the kids more, and, uh, you know, it, it affects my emotions. So that's really the root of this, is why do we want to take care of our home? It's, it, it, it affects us and it affects the people that live there emotionally if we don't. So just try to be aware of um, not eating the bread of idleness for too long because the Bible says so. <laughs> also, um, I know like for me, like when I have a job, like laundry is like my, ugh, I, I just, I get it cleaned and I get it washed, but then it, it sits it sits there in a pile, and it just, it grows all week long. And I think it's because I dread it. I mean, I walk by that laundry pile at least 10 times throughout the day, and I just look at it, and I just, I don't want to even think about tackling it. And so when I was thinking about preparing this talk, I was like, that's my problem, and I really need to get a handle on that. And so I timed myself on how long it actually took to actually fold the laundry and put it away. And it's, it was like 15 minutes. It does not take that long to do. It was the thought of doing it is what, like, overwhelmed me and, and stressed me out. Like, I just I couldn't get over it. So really, just think about that. Um, it's not really going to take as long as what you are dreading doing. Have you guys ever heard the saying, whistle while you work? I think the seven dwarfs did that. There's nothing wrong with uh, pouring yourself a cup of tea while you're folding the laundry or watching a show that you DVR'd or um, putting on some praise music or listening to a podcast to make that job a little bit more enjoyable. I know this is going to sound kind of corny, but I mean, even like uh, dish soap that has a nice smelling scent that can like pick you up and lift your spirits or, um, you know, just something that you enjoy and take pleasure in. Give yourself little treats for doing those jobs because they're not fun. Um, what I like about house cleaning is not the actual task of cleaning my house. It's the way it makes me feel after I get done with it. When I get done with it, I've got a place to relax, and I've got a place that just, it's mine, a place where I could just be still and be peaceful. 
Um, so give yourself little treats for doing those things. In the last slide, no, not the last slide, but facing the task in front of you, ready to do what you've been called to do. C.S. Lewis says, homemaking is surely in reality the most important work in the world. What do ships, railways, mines, cars, government, etc., exist for, except that people may be fed, warmed, and safe in their own homes? The homemaker's job is one for which all others exist. Guys, this is so beautiful. Uh, give yourself um, enough credit for what you are as a homemaker. It's a big job, and it's a calling, and it's, it's a worthy calling. And treat it like a job. I know we're not getting paid monetarily for it, but um, you know, if you don't show up to your job at work, you're going to get fired. You've got to show up to your job and, and do, do it and realize it is work, but there's benefits and blessings that come with that job. And do your work as if you're doing it unto the Lord. If you want to go to the next slide. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Guys, we're not going to get a lot of credit for uh, the folded clothes or the washed toilets. Um, there's not going to be a big press conference saying, wow, look at what she's done. It's amazing. Um, but we're not doing it for that. We're, we're doing it for the Lord. I know it's hard to remember that. But how would our attitudes about homemaking change if we actually realize that we're doing this for the Lord and it's a ministry and it's a ministry to his people. And his people include our children and our husbands while we're folding those socks and, and wiping up their, their pee off the toilets. I mean, it's, it's a ministry that we're serving. We're raising up these kids and, and we're taking care of our husbands. And um, if we just, wanna, we just need to keep that in mind, to work willingly at whatever you do as though you're working for the Lord rather than for men. Guys, a lovely home is not determined by how clean the floors are or if there's laundry flesh, freshly folded or not. A house becomes a beautiful home when the Lord is present in it, and we, are so, and we aren't so concerned about our home that it hinders us from opening our home up and inviting people in. Hospitality is a big thing in the Bible. It's, it's amazing, really, how much it spoke of. Um, Lord, I love the house where you live. If the Lord is present in your home, people's going to fill that. I have friends who are amazing at hospitality, and that's something I kind of lack in. And when you go to their home, you could just feel the Lord's presence in it, and you feel welcomed, and it feels like your home, and you just want to stay. It's just a nice place. So when we, uh, when our housekeeping and our comparisons of whether our house is, is big enough or decorated pretty enough or clean enough, when it hinders our ability to open up the door and invite somebody in, um, that's where it becomes a problem. And that's where we're, we're needing to be more diligent on, on opening up our home regardless of the condition that it's in because the people that are in your homes are going to feel the Lord's presence and they're not going to be caring about the dust on your TV stand. It says in the Bible about hospitality, show hospitality to one another without grumbling, 1 Peter 4, 9. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entered angel, entertained angels unaware, Hebrews 13, 2. By serving others, we serve Christ. And hospitality is not just the neighbor down the street or your mop's friends. Hospitality is how your husband feels in his home and how your kids feel in their home. And you're not so rigid about things that they don't, um, enjoy their home and feel peace inside their home. So, you know, don't be, you know, like Mary and Martha, don't be so caught up in, in the work that you don't um, allow yourself to, to have and practice hospitality. The very last slide says, 
the love we show to our homes should be a reflection of gratitude to God for what we have. And we have been blessed beyond measure with just even having a home and having a home with floors and toilets. And um, it's just amazing because there's many people who don't have that. And so when we go about homekeeping and thinking about doing the work for the Lord, um, it's just showing love back to God for the blessings that he's been giving us. And we just shouldn't take that for granted. We should just be um, just aware of that fact. I think that if we, if we take these tips today, and if anything, we just realize that it's for the Lord. It's for his ministry. We have a calling to do. I just I pray that that's what blesses you guys, encourages you in this journey, because it is, it is something that you need to be courageous about. And I pray, Lord, that the, the words today were encouraging to these ladies. I pray that they can go home with fresh inspiration to just do the calling uh, that they've been called to do. And, Lord, let them realize that they are valuable and worthy. And even if they don't get any earthly recognition, Lord, that you are watching them and you're going to say, I'm well pleased. Thank you.